welcome to Winchester here with Autumn Privet, and this is the Reading Women podcast, where we're reclaiming half the bookshelf by discussing books written by or about women, and this is episode three. Already? Yes. We're in a new month, a new theme, bold new things before us. I'm super excited about this one, too. I've been thinking about it for weeks. Yes, that's why it's the first actual real themed month, is because it is both our favorites, pretty much. And so we have so many books to talk about today, and we couldn't pick all of them. We wanted to, but we're going to probably post tons of extra stuff on our website, so stay tuned. Um, if we don't mention your favorite today, please leave it in the comments and or keep track of our website, and we'll post cool things there. And also on our Instagram. Yes. I'm going to try to post things we're reading in between and other stuff too. Who knows? Yeah. We were pretty much just flying by the seat of our pants and saying, oh, that's cool. We'll <laughs> share it with our listeners. We hope you like it. <laughs> Truth comes out. This is how the sausage is made. <laughs> um, so we have some updates about our news um, Autumn, did you have an update on the Bailey's Prize? Yes. I Okay, when they announced the winner of the Bailey's Prize, I was so shocked. Yeah, I hadn't heard her. If, if you haven't heard who won or something and you don't want to know, um, spoiler alert, but the one who the winner was Lisa McInerney's book. The Glorious Heresies. So, Hanya Yanagihara I know. missed out I again. felt so bad for her. Oh, I was shocked. I was so shocked. At, at first, I was like, okay, she didn't win this award. Well, she's nominated for like five others, but she hasn't been winning any of like the quote-unquote big name ones. I'm like, that just, this just has to rot. Like, oh, I want to send her cookies. We should send her cookies. And I... You know, fresh out of the oven here. I'm sorry. Eat these. <laughs> Your life will be better. <laughs> well, it's funny, too, because this is a book that wasn't high on our list of books that we even projected. Because I don't think we mentioned it in the last podcast. Yeah, we didn't. I mean, I know I still know nothing about it. But uh, Goodreads says um, that one messy murder affects the lives of five misfits who exit on the fringes of Ireland's post-crash society. Biting, moving, and darkly funny, The Glorious Heresies explores salvation, shame, and the legacy of Ireland's 20th century attitudes to sex and family. Interesting. And she is Irish. The author is Irish. I mean, it's good I mean, we're having more voices from Ireland because um, besides James Joyce and his ego, there really uh. isn't a ton that's regularly out there, so... It seems like it has pretty good reviews on Goodreads, too. So, Yeah, um, and that is a nice segue to a different reviewing website, which we have to talk about today, because LitHub just released its new reviewing um, section of its website, and it's using, it's like, it's like Rotten Tomatoes for, for books. Can you remind those who may not know what LitHub is, exactly how that works? Um, Literary Hub is more literary fiction-minded, I guess more highbrow-minded, and it's fun. I post a lot of articles from there on the website, but um, they have, like, daily emails they send out. They do interviews. They post original pieces. 
But this particular section of the website is gearing towards collecting the reviews from specific uh, literary critic outlets. Um, like uh, some of theirs on their list is the Chicago Reader. Uh, you have Flavorwire. You have uh, the Washington Post, Wall Street Journal, New York Times. So all the big name traditional book reviewers are on their list. And you have to be reviewed and at least three of these different outlets, then they're going to, LitHub is going to take them together and apply their rubric um, and give it a score of A, B, C, D, or F. Um, and then they'll put on the front of their website, like the total score. So if you go to their website now, you can go see the different grades. So um, The Girls by Emma Klein has an A minus, while Homegoing by Ya Jesse has a B plus. And you can go through and look. And the thing is, is that all of these are, are really good ratings and reviews for the most part. Um, I'm not really sure how this is exactly useful. Yeah, I, I was thinking about this too because, so they're taking a review and then adding a grade to it. So they're taking something subjective and trying to make it objective and I just don't know how that's going to work. And I understand like the rubric, but how do you like how do you get all the nuances of that? It's not like I mean it's not like Goodreads where you can just average out the number of stars a book gets and yeah, it, they they also say that they're trying to help bring back traditional literary criticism. Like it's going by the wayside and it needs to be help saving and but I think we need to ask the question why is it going by the wayside? You know, it, is it not accessible? And you sent, I think you sent me an article earlier this week about how women in Australia, women authors in Australia, were not getting the press that they deserved. And the article went into great depth about why or why not. And it wasn't because the books were bad. It was just because the people reviewing the books just weren't paying attention to them. So I think that's one of the problems with traditional literary criticism. And I and I don't like the idea. I mean, they don't have very many. It's mostly literary fiction, which is fine, but they're trying to promote, you know, they have these categories of, like, romance and speculative, and I wish they would, like, at least clarify that these are, like, literary books in the, that, like, cross those categories. So they're not actually romance or fantasy books. They're literary fiction focused that have these additional, you know, twisted features, which is fine. I'm all for breaking down genre walls, but they at least, I wish they were upfront about what it was. It'll be interesting to see as more books are reviewed, kind of what happens and how the grades average out. I'll be interested to see at least. Yeah. And from what I understood, I listened to the Book Riot um, podcast and they talked at this very long conversation about it, which piqued my interest. And they were talking about how all of these, you know, these reviewers, they all come from the same tradition and they all know each other and they're all very interconnected. And so it's very hard to kind of break that wall. Uh, like you were saying, like for women in Australia, that they just weren't getting noticed. And I think a reason that book blogging became a thing is because they were blogging about books people actually read. Like, besides my friends who were actually book book people, like who studied books, a lot of, they would find most of these books boring. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
Yeah, so that's was my concern too. Is like what books they're reviewing. So we'll see. It'll be like I said. It'll be interesting to see where it goes and what books they do review. Because if you have to have three reviews in order to be on the website, then what about books that only get one review? I don't know. We'll see. I guess that's really the, I guess we'll wrap that up and we'll move on to the main part of our podcast, which is awesome, which is talking about the books by women of color that we um, had to agonize over picking because there were so it many. It was so hard to pick books. I think we're going to have to say that like every time, but it's true, especially this time. I had an entire other stack. Um, we hope that you enjoyed these ones. Uh, so the first one is Autumn's. Yes. So my first pick is the Joy Luck Club by yes. Amy Tan. So good. And I read this book in two days, something like that. I almost finished it in one sitting. Um, so it follows the story of, technically it follows the stories of four mothers and four daughters. And all the mothers immigrated to America from China. So then all of their daughters are first-generation Americans. They were all born in the United States. A lot of them haven't gone back to China. And it just gives... So then it's an alternating... How the layout is, is it's an alternating story. So you hear a story from the perspective of the mother and then... So all the mothers and then all the daughters and all the mothers and all the daughters. And so it really gives this amazing and rounded perspective on what it means to be an immigrant. Because I think that, especially in a lot of fiction, or maybe not in a lot of fiction, but it seems to happen where there's just one immigrant story told. Where it's like someone has a bad life and then they come to America and everything, you know, magically gets better. So I appreciated that in these stories, she really talks a lot about how some of the mothers came from extremely wealthy households and they didn't have, you know, they were very poor when they came to America and then how each of the daughters responds in a different way. So it really gives a lot of really good perspectives. Yeah. I, I really loved how, all of the stories are so different, and and I love the fours in it. I was watching an interview with Amy Tan, and she said that some master student wanted to do their thesis on fours in Joy Luck Club, and she's like, I had no idea there were so many fours in the book. She's like, I realized there were four daughters, four mothers, and you know, four sets of four short stories, but beyond that, you know, she didn't know as much, and it was just so cool how an author hadn't even realized That's all the cool really things cool. they put in the book she does an amazing job too even though it's four different sets of mother and daughters they each have their own distinct voice and I think that's very difficult to do yes yes I I can't even imagine having to create like eight characters you know different stages of life and um we read one of the short stories the one about um the girl who plays chess we read one of those in I think contemporary fiction um, but so they can be taken apart from the book, but together they create the single story, um, of what's the protagonist's name? Like the, um, the girl that goes back to China oh, at the end. Of course you'd ask me. I can't remember right now that you've asked me. 
Well, that idea is is based on, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but she goes back to at the end, and it's a similar situation to what Amy, Amy Tan did. She went back um, to China for a similar reason, which you'll have to read the book to find out. But It was super good. And everyone on Litzy has been telling me that I need to watch the movie now. Have you seen the movie? I have. I'm, I believe I've seen the movie. Um, but it would have been a while ago, so I probably should just go check it out again. They all said that it, well, I guess a lot of people said that it was a really good adaptation. You know, I'm one of those people who's like, well, the book is always better than the movie, but I'd be interested to see how they do it. Yeah, that would that would be curious. And I think it's very interesting that um, there aren't really a lot of uh, Asian stories out there as much as you would you would think, yeah. So I'm glad and about women, especially. Exactly. So I'm excited now to read some more of Amy Tan's other novels, and I believe she has other short story collections too. But I'm, this was my first work of hers, and I just absolutely loved it. Just loved it. Best vacation ever. Best vacation. Yes, this was my one of my vacation <laughs> reads, and it was so good. I was like, no, I don't want to go sightseeing. I just want to sit here and read my book. <laughs> Introverts vacation. Exactly. And that was the Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan. And I guess it moves on to my pick. Sorry, no segue. Well, here here's the segue. I bought this book on vacation. Oh, okay. There's the tie-in. <laughs> Speaking of vacation. Speaking of vacations. Bought this book on vacation. <laughs> Coincidence? I think not. Um, so it's The Roundhouse by Louise Erdrich, and it won the National Book Award um, when it came out. And Louise Erdrich is a member of the Ojibwe tribe, um, a First Nations people, also known as Native American. Um, and she is part of the uh, American Renaissance of uh, several... First Nations authors that are, are coming up. And she also has written a family saga, which someone on Litsy told me about, and I will go find it here shortly. So the book is set uh, when the protagonist is narrating, and it's a frame tale, and he's an adult, and it's set in his childhood. So I'm guessing around the 60s. I'm not quite sure. It doesn't readily give that information. So it kind of has like this uh, mythological feel to it, at least it did to me. So the premise of the book is that Joe lives on the reservation with his dad, who is a judge, and his mom works at the tribe's registration office. So if a person wants to have their child registered with the tribe, they go to that particular office. So his mom runs out to get an er to do an errand, and she comes back, and she's covered in blood, and they take her to the hospital, and they find out that she's been raped. And it is, it's been a brutal uh, sexual assault. Um, she has uh, inner... Uh, organ damage and all kinds of stuff that's in that and it's from his perspective so they don't go into detail with it with our son but you the reader can pick that up so what's important about this assault is that with with the tribal laws if it's on their land then they are the ones that handle that but if it's on outside of the tribal lands then it's under the U.S.'s jurisdiction. So she won't tell them because she's so traumatized where the rape happened. So that stalls the investigation of trying to figure out who did this to his mom. And he gets frustrated. And so Joe starts off with his friends to try to figure out who did this to his mom. 
And that is the basic premise. And it's very moving. And I never knew about all of the First Nations laws that are on the reservations and, and whatnot. So it was very informative to me. It was also very moving because it's about a boy and his mom. You know, it's, right. it's, it, it's very hard to take. And I'm very proud of myself that I got through this without getting upset because it was just so incredibly moving. And I actually did this on audiobook and they had a Canadian First Nations actor reading it and it was just gorgeous. That's amazing. Um, That's why yes. I love audiobooks. Yes, it really brought it to life. And since it's supposed to be a frame tale and the it's about, you know, a man when he was a boy and it's it fit, you know. Um and one of the motifs in the book is storytelling. So you have all these random stories and I was like, why is this in here? And then you realize later, as the plot unfolds, uh, why it was in there. And it's this this theme, you know, the, the protagonist is telling a story about his childhood. And in that is a story. And is in, in that is a story. And it all comes out. And you understand at the end why they're all there. So it's very well done. It sounds like it. I'm, yeah. I'm so sad that I haven't read it yet. But that's why I bought it on vacation. I was like, I have to read this book. So... It is now on my list. Yeah, it's it's like a First Nations uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, oh, interesting. With, with the teenage male um, protagonist. And it has a lot of similar parallels. So there's a paper there. If anyone else is in, you know, someone into grad school, go do that paper, please, and I will read it. <laughs> you didn't, I bet they didn't know that this was another perk of this podcast is that we suggest a grad school paper topics we do it is ingrained (laughs) in our brains (laughs) but you know i mean i just can't help myself so look forward to more paper ideas from kendra and autumn and that's the roundhouse by louise erdrich so then my next book is salvage the bones by jessamine ward I know. I Let's just, just take a moment to gush. It's so good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we share these books. And so it's like, okay, you take this one, but I get this one. And we're like, okay. <laughs> we may or may not have fought over this one. I can either confirm or deny. I, you read it first. So I, I was did. like, well, I shouldn't. You know. So Salvage the Bones is set in, it's actually set in Mississippi, I think. Yes, yes. Mississippi. Um, But it's in the day or two days before Hurricane Katrina hits. So this book was published in 2011. Hurricane Katrina happened in 2005. And it follows the story of Esh and her family as they, kind of as they prepare for the storm. That's one layer. This book is multi-layered. Another layer to it is that, so we find out that Esh is going to have a baby. And so the story kind of evolves once we discover that. Because she talks about her mother. Her mother's not in the picture anymore. And so we learn about her mother. And then there's also this, we also learn about her dog. Her brother has this uh, fighting dog named China. And so China's going to have puppies. And so as like the story unfolds, we kind of see how these three narratives of 
the mother and the daughter and this pet of this dog of theirs kind of intertwine and kind of mirror each other and explain each other and it's it's just beautiful it's just her language is gorgeous oh my goodness (laughs) it is so beautiful it's one of those books that I wish I could read again for the first time it's that good it's so 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 good it's also incredible too because it's kind of a recent story like Hurricane Katrina didn't happen that long ago so it, the proximity of the event seems to heighten your experience when you read it. Yeah, she does a beautiful job of, like, each chapter is a different day leading up to the, the storm. And the first, you enter into the book, and China is having her puppies, and the descriptions make you uncomfortable mm-hmm. because they are so well done that they describe everything in a, a realistic detail that's kind it's beautiful so it it errs on the side of of like a fairy tale almost and you get this surreal feeling of this over realistic description and it I'm not describing it very well but it is just so incredibly beautiful and I I was amazed I did the audiobook of that one as well and hearing it read just blows your mind it's beautiful and like I really need to reread it and um to continue the theme of vacation, um, we were in at the coast last week in in New Orleans, and seeing being there and seeing like still like some of the devastation from Hurricane Katrina, and just thinking about that while I was there, it really just kind of reminded me of kind of the desolation you feel when you read this book. Because it's one thing to hear about an event on TV and then, like, to actually be there and to feel it. Like, I really feel like this book kind of captures those feelings. And, you know, it's hard to relate to something like that that's just so beyond our own experience. Like, we'll never know what it's like to be poor and black in the South. And on top of that, to face such a drastic storm. So the only way we can learn is to read about it. And this is just a beautiful representation of, you know... a different humans experience and why we need to sympathize with that and show love to other people in these horrible circumstances. Right. And Jessamyn Ward just, she teaches at LSU actually, and she just got an award and I don't remember the name of it, but she just, so she is on leave to write another book. Yes. So so excited. We will see. Yes. Uh, she did a she did editorial and compiled a collection of uh, pieces of writing by people of color, and she compiled that recently. And she also wrote um, Men We Reaped, which is her memoir about living as a poor black woman in the South, which is equally beautiful. Um, highly recommended. So um, we'll talk about salvage the bones more later this month because it is uh, one of our picks it's just that good yes and that's why we haven't actually read you any of these quotes because one we want you to go out and read the book but also because we're going to do that later so you have to come back and listen to more of us talk about the things we we love love. yes because we have this huge crush on this I actually think and I know I'm rambling now but seriously like I think I talk about this book every single week 
Yeah, pretty much. So, in summary, that was Salvage the Bones by Jessamyn Ward. And we'll move on to uh, last summer, I read Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng, and it just wowed me from the very first sentence, which I actually am going to read to you because it's short. And it is, Lydia is dead, period. But they don't know this yet, period. How can you not keep reading? I have to stop reading to continue the podcast, and it kind of upsets me. It's just so amazing. <laughs> um, but the premise of the book is that Lydia obviously is dead, and her family doesn't know it yet. And that's the whole thing, is why, why they find her. She's missing. They eventually find her. They try to figure out what happened to her, you know, who did this, and so on and so forth. And what's special about this book is that it is it an interracial family in the 1970s, but it's an Asian-American family. So uh, part of the book, every other chapter, is about the parents. And that is um, Marilyn and James Lee. And they met, um, you hear that story through the book, and they met. And Marilyn is this blonde, blue-eyed woman who married an Asian man, and he is brilliant. And But he has a hard time finding a place to teach. And so they are actually in the Midwest in Ohio. And so the Midwest, having come from the Midwest in particular sections of Ohio, I also understand that they had a hard time. And what's also amazing is that Celeste Ng uses the word oriental throughout the book. And you're like, what is this? And it jars you because that is no longer, Hmm. you know, well, it never, it never was, but it's not an appropriate term. And we recognize that now, but then they didn't. And so she uses that to see how much racism affected this family of, of Americans and how that changed their outlook on life and what it's like to grow up in an interracial family in the seventies. And it's just wonderful. And Lydia has two other siblings. She has a sister and a brother and they are, Highly, obviously, highly affected by the results of Lydia going missing. It's wonderful. I read it in about two sittings. Yeah, and I don't really do that very often. I need to move this one up my list. And she's also Celesting is hilarious on Twitter. She's one of the authors I follow with, like, almost an obsession because she's just so funny. (laughs) And she, like, I need to, I'm going to go follow her on Twitter right now. How am I not? How am I not following She'll comment here? about people she sees in the library when she's writing her books. and <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, and so she is um, Chinese-American as well, and so she is able to talk about this family. And I hadn't really thought about what it was like um, as an interracial family in in the 1970s, and so it's it's just really amazing. I can't really gush about it enough. So now you have to go out and buy Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng. I will. I'm going right now. Oh, wait, I can't. Just give it a little bit, and then you can rush. Rush to the library. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So then my next pick is Persepolis by Marjan Satrapi. And, wow. Okay. Um... So this is a, it's actually a two-part graphic novel. And so, so the first part talks about her, it, it's loosely autobiographical. She says that, like, it's based off of, it's not a, 
a documentary or doesn't exactly document her life in the sense that like it's not quotes from conversations and whatever, but it's based off of her, her childhood in Tehran. And so the first half is her childhood up until the time she goes to school in Europe. And then the second part is a brief stint of time in Europe. And then when she comes back to Tehran as well, I guess as an adult, she's like 19, 20, somewhere in there. Yeah, after high school. So it is, I've never read anything like this. It is just incredible. I'm, and one of the things that I thought after I finished, I was like, wow, I actually know very little about this culture. Um, I mean, it's one thing, you know, you hear all kinds of things on the news about extremists and things going on in the Middle East, but kind of as we were saying before, you're so removed from it. So to hear this woman explain her own experiences, it like I, I'm still processing it. Like it's just book hangover. Yeah. She obviously is very strong book hangover. I, I'm very excited, <laughs> but no words are coming out. Yeah, it's it's just a, it's just beautiful. So if and it's a graphic novels are a little bit quicker to read. And I, I read both of these in one day each. And so the, the images are beautiful and the story is beautiful. And it's just, it's just so moving. Like, I really feel like it should be required reading for life, especially given things going on in the world. And I really think that it would, it, it definitely gave me more empathy yeah, and I think it was very interesting to see how you could see the women's freedoms specifically taken away um, because they had, you know, they had to start wearing the veil and then more and more veil and and how they were dressed. And she would, like, talk about how she would go and she would buy cassette tapes from from these people, like these shady-looking cartoon characters she's drawn. And they're, like, having all these different cassette tapes of these rock music that she's looking for. Is it's so funny, like, oh man, like, it, and that's the thing too. Is is it's hilarious? It's it's a really funny story. Like, she has a really good voice, but even like she does talk on about some racism that she encountered in when she was in school in Europe, and even at home a little bit, and just so many facets and so many things to think about. I need to watch the movie. You haven't no, watched the movie no, yet, but it, right? I'm on hold. Technically, my husband's on hold for it because I maxed out mine, but he's on hold for it at the library, so I'll get that later this week. Um. I also <laughs> bought the movie on vacation. There's this theme. Have we noticed a theme? Vacation means autumn gets more books. Autumn buying and reading books on vacation. So I'm before the next episode, I'm going to watch that. So the movie won a bunch of awards and... It's good. Yes. Just read it. Please do. That's all I'm going to say. And if Just you will be talking about that one in a couple weeks along with Salvage the Bones. So if you want to read, you know, get one of them read, Persepolis would be the easier one to do because it is shorter. And then you could follow along with the podcast. Um, and that's also easier because you'll have the visual element there and be familiar right. with it. Um, I'm super excited about it. Me too. So that was Persepolis. <laughs> By Marjan Satrapi. And that brings us to our last pick, which is mine, which is one that Autumn told me about, and it's called Americana. It's by Chumande Ngozi Edici. 
And I I did it on I listened to this one on audiobook. Man, I'm an audiobook addict, but I did this one as well. And I'm thankful because I would have no idea how to pronounce any of these names. Yes. But thankfully, the narrator is amazing. Amazing. So uh, the protagonist is Ife Melu, and she is in, what do they call their high school? Uh, she is in, a sec- I guess, secondary school, whatever. Anyway, so she's in high school over um, in Lagos, and she is in Nigeria for people to struggle with geography like myself um and she is over there and then there's this dictatorship so she goes and leaves but she also leaves her boyfriend obinze and he is very upset and she eventually um something happens over in america and she uh uh she quits talking to him for whatever reason and the story is how the the plot works is that you you see her as an adult so it's not a spoiler so you know she's going back to nigeria and she's in a hair salon and so the hair is extremely important for the book and it is a representation of uh race in america because um black women often are told that their naturally curly hair is not professional. And so they have to go through all this pain to get it braided or to have extensions or weaves. And those are, from what I'm told, super, super painful. And she describes that in the book and what that means uh, to her life as a, well, as an African woman in America. And so when she goes back, she's called Americana. That's where the title of the book comes from. And you get to see also part of Obinze's life and, Ifemelu is trying to, she starts this blog about being an African in America and about race. And it's a very interesting perspective because before this book, shamefully, I had never really thought what it'd be like to be an African, a black African to go to America and what their perspective would be. And I was just like, oh, this is a hole in my perspective that I need to work on. And so that then has given me tons of resources to go and to look at Life from yet another perspective, which is wonderful. And she does it beautifully. She's a beautiful writer. Yes. And I've watched so many videos of her giving lectures and talking about what it means to be a woman. And her video and now book, We All Should Be Feminists, is something that everybody should read. And it's in this small, convenient format. You can just hand out like candy to people. I know. (laughs) I feel like I should. So she, I mean, she's beautiful and she's educated and I have a huge crush on her and her and Zadie Smith are like the dream team in my opinion. Um, but this book, yeah, it totally floored me. When I read it, I was like, I had a similar response where it was like, wow, I never thought about it this quite this way before. Yeah. And she does that interview with Zadie Smith for the, was New York Public Library. I believe so. Yeah. And they are just wonderful together. And so Zadie Smith talks about White Teeth and some of her other books. And um, uh, DG talks about, uh, she's written other novels as well. And they are just wonderful together. I am a huge fan as well. Um, so this is definitely high on my recommendation list to most people, all people. Just go, everyone, just read this book. Just read it's this wonderful. book. Yeah, that's just label. Just, all just read it. Our recommendation. <laughs> we just end in stuttering and awe, and we're like, okay, this means we're done, and that you just need to go to the library or wherever you get your books. 
Um, and that's Americana by Tumande Nguzi Adichie. And that is our last book. So sad already. I, I know, but we still have a couple of books to talk about real quick I, yes, before we gonna, end. You're going to talk about new books coming up. Yes. So on my reading list of coming up books that are, um, that'll be read for July, uh, the first one is Syracusa by Delia Efron, who is a sister of Nora Efron, and they have done projects together like um, You've Got Mail and other fun things. If you know Nora Efron, you know like she's done great things, and her sister is equally funny, and they're actually a s- part of four sisters that do amazing things. Um, so this book, Syracusa, is um, described as an electrifying novel about marriage and deceit from the best-selling author Delia Efron that follows two couples on vacation in Syracusa, a town on the coast of Sicily, where secrets they have hidden from each other are exposed and relationships are unraveled. Besides being an amazingly long sentence, um, that sounds like a really good book. That sounds good. Um, so uh, check us out on social media, and when I read that book... I will post uh, reviews there and on Litzy. And the other book we're going to look at is by Joanna Cannon, and it's called The Trouble with Goats and Sheep. I love that title, by the way. I was going to say, how can you not oh, How can man. you not read that book? Um, <laughs> I don't even so know the, what it's about, but I'm tempted <laughs> right now to like go to my library website and try to like save it already. I, like, I, I want to know. I want to talk to the person who came up with that title and just – give them an award I'll give them the Kendra title award (laughs) Um, so the description says that it's part coming of age novel part mystery the trouble with sheep and goats is a quirky and utterly charming debut about a community in need of absolution and two girls learning what it means to be long and that sounds really cool and I'm excited to read that and um, get that out there and if anyone reads any of the books that these new books let us know let us know what you think Yes, please. We are happy to have conversations about books in any and all places. And are there other new books uh, by women that you think are amazing that we should check out? Definitely please let me know. I have a, I have an addiction with making my TBR as big as possible. So um, I'm happy. I, I would just probably be so excited. I think it's up over a thousand at some point. I love I that quote. Is it by Lemony Snicket? That's like, I'll probably die next to a stack of books I meant to read. <laughs> and I literally sit on the couch and I work from there and I have stacks of books around the couch. Yeah. That would be my life. Um, so that's it for uh, this podcast. But um, thanks to everyone who's downloaded and subscribed to Reading Women. It does. It means the world to us. Um, and we did want to let you know that Autumn and I both subscribed to the Book of the Month Club. So we went and to, you know got in contact with them about being an affiliate. So if you go to our website, you can see a little book of the month banner. But if you go to our show notes of this episode and you go there before June 30th, you can see a 30% off link um, and you'll help support us. But you'll also get a subscription that we both already have anyway and would recommend I no matter what. I love book yeah. of the month. Yes. They send you a link when they mail your book and I keep it in my inbox and I check it multiple times a day. <laughs> and then as soon as it says it says it's delivered, I go and pick up the package. <laughs> I love love book mail. I am very excited. I got um 
Shrill this month, and it's it's the essays by Loud Women or some such subtitle, and I am very excited to start reading it. I have, I'm I just can't even express my joy. Like I was looking for it everywhere, and then I saw the book of the month had it as one of their options, and I was so I cheered from my computer. So good, and then I picked the one that was Roxane Gay's recommendation, Veins in the Ocean. I may have the preposition wrong, um, but. It looks amazing. It follows a, I think it's in South America. Um, but she, I was like, well, if Roxane Gay recommended it, then it must be good. And I, I'm going to steal it from you at some point, too. Yeah, you can steal it. That's if I were friends, so we could swap. Right? That's what friends do. So I think that's the end of our show. So next time, we will talk more in depth about Salvage the Bones and Persepolis. And in the meantime, you can find me, Autumn Privet, on Twitter, Instagram, Let's See, et cetera, et cetera, at Autumn Privet and Kendra at Katie Winchester. And don't forget, if you listen and love it, please rate and review us on the iTunes store and in Stitcher. This will, it really does help, and it helps us get the word out to other people who are interested in books by and about women. And thanks for listening to the Reading Women podcast. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye, guys.